This is the Gospel Revolution. Since you're knocking on the door, you're begging to come in, yeah. Unaware that all the wild love's been knocking from within. You are the love you see. A perfect yet unique Here's the founder and president of the Gospel Revolution, Michael Lilborn Williams. You know, one of these days I'm going to turn these tables on you and you're going to turn that thing on and I'm going to say, hello, this is Michael Lilborn Williams. <laughs> Welcome, if you will, with me today. That's, that's why I don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Daniel. Hi. Uh, Merry Christmas. Oh, my goodness. It is that time of the year. And let's see, uh, this is, is today the 23rd? The 22nd. 22nd. Yeah. Tomorrow is mine and Hazel's wedding anniversary. Oh. Yeah. 51 years, I think. Wow. Is that right? 72? Now, I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, 51 years. We still celebrate our anniversary. And but we also celebrate our divorce. <laughs> so <laughs> there is, uh, I was talking to my daughter the other day. I was telling her something about her mom and Hazel has got to have a new car. She is so low maintenance. It's just unbelievable. I don't know if I had a high maintenance ex-wife, which I'm not allowed to say that former wife. She said, I'm not an ex anything. <laughs> I do have to still follow protocol. And that's fine with me. As I was talking to her, I, I told her, you know, you really do need to get a, a new car. It's just like, Michael, I need a car to get from point A to <laughs> point B. And, and and if you've talked to the, on the phone with Hazel at all, you know, that's her. Yeah. it's uh, I bought her a keychain uh, 30 years ago that said, lead, follow her, get out of the way. And uh, <laughs> that's very much her. And she doesn't really care who does the job. Just get it done. Yeah. You know? If she did uh, cuss, there would be a lot of other words added to that. But I think she does all that to herself. <laughs> <laughs> At least her eyes say that she's saying some things like that. Uh, no. Uh, I, and I was telling her that, uh, telling my daughter, you know, that I had to talk Hazel into getting another car. Uh, because uh, the one that she's in, uh, Hazel is is uh, her uh, left leg. Her knee is completely frozen. So, mm. uh, the, the, honestly, now I'm not trying to make uh, light of her being short. She's very short, though. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it helps the fact that how short she is that it helps her negotiate having that and uh, navigate uh, having a, a knee that's uh, just not working. And, and occasionally in, in pain. You never hear her complain at all, though. And I'm concerned about her getting out on the road in the middle of the winter. And if she gets off the road or something happens, she's not going to be able to get out and go get help for herself. So I'm thinking a little further down the line. And so I finally talked her into uh, us getting another car for her. And then she started uh, almost complaining about, that, you know, well, you know, well, you know, I don't, don't really need a car because it's and it's like, Hazel, you're only thinking about what's happening today. I'm trying to think about what might happen next year. 
or any time between now and then. And so finally she did. And then, so I told her, I said, but you know, gosh, if I just, I'm not going to impose a new, I feel really kind of stupid here trying to force my former wife to let me buy her a car. <laughs> and so then she kind of went silent and we finished the conversation. And then from then on in, she was just a little bit not herself. And I said, wait a minute, what's going on here? She said, no, no, nothing, nothing. I said, it's about the car, isn't it? You, I have to drag everything out of her. <laughs> People that complain about a wife that's all the time being, <laughs> uh, that's just never been her. It still isn't her to this day. And uh, uh, I, I, just quite literally have to drag out of her what she was really thinking about. And she, so finally she, I said, well, I said, you know, is it about the car? And she said, no, but, but, and then I <laughs> thought, finally, I'm going to get to some truth here. She said, it was kind of fun thinking about having a new car on the way. Mm. I said, okay, okay. I'm getting the car. <laughs> Forget about it. So uh, now she's having a new car imposed upon her. <laughs> and I'm sure she will forgive me someday. But right now, you know, she's just not happy about the whole thing. So, <laughs> so I was telling my daughter that and she got tickled. She said, you know, she says, I really am going to write a book about my mother and my father. And she said, I tell my Parents, I, my friends, I have the most wonderful mother and father, and they are just the, they are so close. They love each other so much, and they're divorced. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> then she starts having to explain the story, and she says they just stand there with her jaw to the floor. She said, I've just stopped trying to explain you guys. Because mm. so <laughs> it does take an explanation, which I'm sure everybody's already totally confused. I don't even know why I went there. Why did I do that, Daniel? I don't know. We were talking about Christmas and oh, and your oh, anniversary. Yeah, yeah. Anniversary. So the anniversary is tomorrow. <laughs> Couldn't see. I would have forgotten it. <laughs> and um, but yeah, so fifty fifty one years. Neither of us uh, remarried, and um, never had a consideration of doing such a thing. If you've done it once. <laughs> Why would you do it twice? <laughs> and to all of our remarried folks out there, we are so happy for you. Yeah. But goodness gracious. <laughs> I could think of some parables and some teachings of Jesus and, you know, burnt once, you know, shame on you. But no, we're not going to go there. You, I, There's a lot of people who's, uh, in their second and third marriages and fourth and and fifth, but you better have a lot of money if you're going to go through that many divorces. <laughs> well, how about your Christmas? You got plans for your Christmas? Yeah, I do have. I'm doing something new this year. So I went on to Amazon and I bought for my daughter and her husband and my two grandkids, uh, Lily and Audrey, Lily and Audrey, Lily and Corbin. And uh, so I just had this idea and I thought this would be fun. I don't know if I've heard it somewhere or what, but I bought uh, enough for four gifts for each of them. Mm -hmm. So we're going to do our regular Christmas, but these gifts are not going to have any names on them. Some of them are gag gifts. Some of them are, are nice little gifts. 
but they're all going to be wrapped where nobody can have any any way to discern what might be in the box. So I ordered the boxes. They've got really nice little wrapping boxes. Costing money. I mean, all of this stuff is uh, seven, eight, nine, ten, maybe twenty-five dollars for some of them. You know, uh, so I've got the boxes. So they're going to have no name tags on them. So the first thing that they're going to do is everybody will take one gift from the pile, and then they open the gift, and they first have to say what their gift is, and then they have to say thank you, Grandma and Grandpa, for the gift. And then they have to say whether or not they want to keep the gift mm. or they want to give it away or they want to trade it Yeah. after they see all the other person's gifts. And so then we'll keep doing that four times. And by the end of it, I think it's going to be a free for all. <laughs> <laughs> so I have decided to create a, um, a very disturbing little Christmas. So. <laughs> well, that'll be fun. And you and your girls, where are you going to be? Uh, we'll be at home. Um, I got my dad and my sister are coming to my house for Christmas dinner. Oh, wonderful. Now, uh, I've seen you in the kitchen before, but I don't really know if, uh, if you're very proud of your culinary skills or not. What do you think about There it? are some that I am, and I'm going to do an Italian feast. So, and really, I, yeah, I feel good about that. So, we'll have uh, chicken Alfredo and gnocchi. I don't even know what gnocchi is. But they're little potato dumplings. Ah. Yeah. I bet Al Vitale knew just what you said. (laughs) (laughs) You got to, if you have a name like Vitale, you better. (laughs) Man, I started doing Al's ancestry for him and it's like, oh my gosh, he almost just got off the boat. I mean, it's, it's really good. And the Albertos and the Mm. Vinticellis and the, you know, I'm making up names now. But I'm telling you, Al is Italian to the core. Mm. He really sounds Georgian, though. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so a happy Christmas, whether you celebrate it in the Italian style or the uh, some people don't do uh, dinners. They just get together and exchange gifts. And, mm-hmm. But however you do it, we really do uh, look forward to you having a wonderful Christmas with you and yours. I can be okay. By my, I've spent several Christmases by myself, and I've not had any big complaints. I've not sat around and and uh, thought about you know I'll be home <laughs> for Christmas. I just you know I I could even play that song on that day and enjoy it, and not sit around thinking you know oh, wow I don't even get to go home for Christmas. Uh, I don't know why I'm that way. I just guess I've turned into an old man. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I remember as a kid, um, the thing I remember most about Christmas is we uh, volunteered every Christmas at a, um, it was actually a gentleman, and a businessman in our congregation. Uh, he had started this dinner for elderly and homeless people. And so we would open up at the VFW and have a big hmm. uh, dinner for anybody who, you know, was lonely and oh, wanted, wonderful. wanted dinner and people would come in. But then we also had a delivery team. And I always loved going on the delivery team because we would go to these people who were shut in, you know, and deliver yeah. deliver meals. And that was the highlight of my childhood Christmases was bringing meals to these people who were lonely or at home and couldn't get out, couldn't cook for themselves. Yeah. 
I'm going to let you put me on your list next year. Oh, well, Daniel, I know we've got some things to talk about. We uh, Again, Merry, Merry Christmas, you guys. And we'll be doing a New Year's show uh, for next uh, weekend. Uh, since there is no such thing as time anymore, uh, it's just a place for us to mark another year. Uh, the uh, One of the things in our, our uh, run-up to this year is the ability to conclude that in the framework of God creating time, telling us what time was. It's really helped in my research into Einstein and his uh, relativity and super relativity. Uh, we are told what time is. We found out that God, uh, you know, the first time that they ever guessed that the earth was in layers was in the 1700s. And um, that was by Isaac Newton and then uh, others through sound waves and things have uh, concluded that. But uh, it actually says in Genesis that God laid the earth out in mm. layers. Wow. Uh, and that he enclosed in it uh, water on the inside. The thing we learned about that water was that it was minus oxygen, which I, my mind has just been uh, really inquisitive. What does water look like without oxygen in it? Yeah. You know, what? what, what is that? There's... there's um, there's, it's just a H2, right? Yeah. <laughs> there's, no, there's no O. And uh, what does that look like? It's called ringlodite. And uh, uh, Northwest University actually found out that uh, what God said in the book Genesis was true. So we're just rolling through these things like crazy. And uh, who's ever told you that we've already come to the end of time 2,000 years ago? Uh, because it was instituted uh, originally to bring forth the ultimate completion of creation. We love teaching you that there's three stages of creation. There's Adam and Eve, and then there's the, the next creation, uh, which is uh, Noah. Uh, Noah's uh, coming off of the, the boat. The entire atmosphere had changed. The entire ecosystem of the earth had changed. And that creation then led to the final creation at the cross. And we now have become what we are now, which is something that was never before. Uh, the, the preservation of uh, the genetics, Don pointed this out to me, that, the, uh, uh, that Noah was perfect in all his uh, generations. Mm. And uh, Don is the one that pointed out to me that that means genes. Uh, his genetics. Uh, it doesn't mean that he was perfect man and that what he did, it meant that his genetics from Adam to him was perfect. Because, you know, the genetics of the human race got really screwed up before the flood. There was an interaction with angels. I don't even can't imagine what those dudes look like. Uh, you know, I, I, my husband is just an angel. That that was really true at one time. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't even think about that. Um, but the genetics of the human race got really, really, uh, screwed up. So why the flood? Well, of course we know about the seed and the, the, uh, importance of the seed being preserved. It was one of the, it was one way I can, there's many reasons for the flood, 
But one of the reasons, according to Don, was that it was the preservation of the seed. Mm. And that seed from uh, Noah and all the rest of it being wiped out, all the interrupted genetics was wiped out. And then from there, boy, you get an exact count. And Ethan's doing a lot of research in this. And you get up to five and six generations away, and they're referring back to the people who were their parents who came off the ark. Wow. And uh, this this group, they uh, that's when they started, um, uh, were known as tillers of the soil, and this group was known as this and that. And uh, but we're this is what we're going to do the the conference on, and uh, coming up in Canada. And we're going to give you such a big, broad, beautiful, painted uh, picture of from before creation all the way to the cross. And now we are evolving. We are we are in an evolution now. Uh, we were uh, we were smushed together with God. Smushed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got smushed together with God Himself, and God got smushed together with us. And we've been evolving as to what that is uh, and how to um, how to live that out. Mm. Uh, and uh, just like the animals that came off the ark, uh, I, I, the best I can see in Genesis, a super ev- evolution began after those uh, single species walked off of the ark and uh then, uh, uh, you know, from uh, one species of uh, it, whatever the kind it was, uh, an evolution started that branched and branched and, and grew and grew to many other off branches. But they are basically just a handful of species. And um, then those species, with just like within the cat, there's just, you know, the feline is a feline and they don't breed with canine and canine is canine, but you only needed one canine. Remember those commercials that come on now? Everybody has dog you used to be a wolf. You yeah. know? It's like, how dare you speak of my dog that way? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but what they don't understand is they're validating that incredible process that began this and 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 uh why would um evolution go on acceleration well it went on acceleration because now there was direct sunlight now mm-hmm. there was uh this whole different environment that actually shortened man's life but at the same time the evolution of all species uh really went on an accelerated rate why am I trying to teach the Canada conference? Because <laughs> <laughs> you're so excited. <laughs> uh, we've been looking into this. Ethan's going to play a, a big role in this conference, which uh, I'm excited about that. Uh, it's just constant. Uh, his uh, looking into this and reading Genesis, and it's really putting together a lot of the loose ends for us. So this is going to be a very much concerted effort. Uh, uh, for us, things that just are just amazing. You know, when you compare the ark to the cross, goodness gracious, it's absolutely unbelievable. Ethan was studying and found out that they uh, not only did they uh, put pitch or tar uh, all over the uh, ark, um, top sides and bottom, everything, uh, that, but that he also had him to use a certain herb on it 
And I just, I just, I don't know why I knew it. I just knew it. It's one of those things. Once the comparisons start, they start evolving. And uh, so it was kind of a die thing that mm. he made to paint over the pitch. And it says that one of the, the colors that are used that are derived out of this particular thing, once you get the name of that, and it says that it always comes out an orange or reddish color. Oh, wow. And I thought, oh, my God, the Ark was covered in red. And that's the, that's the Ark of Christ. And then Ethan kept going and he said, oh, my God, that's the, the, the when he opened the door uh, to the Ark. Then a whole new uh, world started, and when uh, they opened, Jesus opened the tomb. A whole new generation started. Uh, it's just so beautiful. Mm. So I, I'm hoping that you will be excited about this conference. But you're going to have to put on your learning and your thinking cap. This is not going to be just a spiritual journey as to who we are. We've identified who we are. We now want to explain to you in the closest of detail how we got here, uh, because many are trying to dismantle this process and you dismantle this process and you will not be able to hang on to the validity or the reality of who you are in Christ. Wow. Bam. And so. Let's plan for another show. Daniel, it's been nice being with you today. <laughs> so it is. We must leave you, family and friends. But, you know, Michael, the, the basis for all this is coming out of our trust in the Hebrew Scriptures. Mm-hmm. And uh, last week we started that uh, we had made a commitment that we were going to start the next few weeks by sharing a little bit about or why we know that the Hebrew Scriptures are valid. And I think you got a couple questions this week that will feed right into that from someone that you've been uh, communicating with here this week about a couple verses in the New Testament that might make one think that the Hebrew Scriptures maybe are not valid. Yeah, and this is something that people are struggling with. Uh, It is obviously something that our aforementions, uh, they definitely try to create, they do create a uh, undermining of the Hebrew Scriptures. Uh, Francois refers to them as those old Jewish writings. Uh, he won't even call them scriptures. It seems like, at least in that comment, he did not. And uh, others, I mean, they just don't even need the Bible at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Carlton, we have a recording of Carlton. Uh, what, uh, tell us about that. You, it, just, it was so heartbreaking to me when I heard this. And, you know, Carlton is such a, a, a wonderful human being. Um, but you uh, saw a video of him making comments about people having their Bibles with them. Tell us about that. Yeah, he was talking about, you know, belief systems and different things like that. And he had quoted a bunch of Bible verses and he stopped and he says, he's talking to a, seemed like a large congregation of people. And he says, uh, and I know I realize that I am quoting out of your Bible. And I think he said that, you know, that that's written in your Bible. And then he kind of laughed and chuckled and he says, but I know a lot of you don't have your Bibles anymore. A lot of you don't own a Bible anymore. A lot of you have been delivered from your Bible. Wow. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, after Carlton's passing, I, I was sad uh, and I got angry. Mm. Uh, because number one, his story is not told, uh, that it just is not told. Uh, 
the the movie does not say what actually happened in his transition. It may have been a part of it, but he left a huge part of it out. Uh, and uh, the the opportunity that he had to understand the gospel, he did understand the gospel, and then to have this need to go to a position. I don't want to see people's lives come and go. Uh, uh, he reached 70. I'm already at 71 and going to be 72 in August. Uh, but Carlton's life came and went without any impact that would change how things are thought through on this planet that I can tell at all. Now, I may be wrong. There may be something there. But everything that Carlton uh, ended up teaching were things that were just uh, hodgepodge, uh, uh, almost a, a Joseph's coat type thing, just patches of this and that and the other. Uh, and uh, it, it almost seemed as though he needed to make something that was his own. Mm. And um, uh, the, Ethan and I were out the other day and, and I forget what exactly brought it up, but, um, oh, I went for my lifeline screening. As you get older, you, a lot of people know these lifeline screenings, they go out and about, you know, and they go to communities and you go to, to check arterial, uh, clear because it's just things they check on that your doctor just overlooks. That could be the thing that can put you out. Uh, I don't mind going out, but I don't want to do it blindly if uh, if I've got a, uh, an ability to check on these things. So, but they what they do is contract like the uh, fellowship hall, the dining hall of these churches, and they will rent that space from them to set up their little medical thing. And so I followed my uh, ten minute drive over there to this church. I forget even. Uh, the name of the church is a Baptist church. And they had this big marble stone in front of it with the Ten Commandments card right mm -hmm. before you walk in the door. And it's like, oh, Jesus, please give me the grace to get in there and get out. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I will not betray you, Lord Jesus, like this again. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, I'm, of course, being absurd. Uh, I got in there and there was some of the people that would have been of the staff of the church and they were just really nice you know i go to hobby lobby hobby lobby has uh done the framing on these beautiful portraits that you see behind me and others and they're just some of the nicest people and it makes me angry <laughs> it's like <laughs> you guys are making christianity look good mm. and uh, we don't need that uh we need uh just as many people that are uh, uh, unbelieving or believe different things. And all of these people in Hobby Lobby, most people know Hobby Lobby is a very, uh, very much a Christian organization. They do close on Sunday. And uh, along with uh, several other businesses that have rooted their uh, business in Christian principles, if you will, not to work on Sunday. And, uh, but these, I'm telling you, these people at Hobby Lobby, they're, uh, they are just delightful to work with. And they, they have a couple of people working for them uh, that are, uh, they're not towing the line, you might say. <laughs>
I was in there and talking to one of the girls at the back and, and blah, blah, blah. And she looked up at me with this little smile on her face. And cause I, whatever it was I was doing, it pertained to my second great grandmother who was a prostitute mm. in Kingston, Tennessee. And she says, boy, it says your grandma sounds badass." <laughs> and, <I> thought, <laughs> and she said, pardon my language. I said, Oh, no need, no need to, no need to apologize. And so we were like, we had this moment in Hobby Lobby, like we're, we're two subversives here, you know, <laughs> you can't be badass and work at Hobby Lobby. Right. So <laughs> anyway, so she was very sweet also, but there's a lot of such wonderful Christian people and they are Pentecostals and they are Baptists and they're Mormons. Mormons make Mormonism look good. I, I'm telling you, there is some incredible Mormon people out there. But uh, so the biggest struggle that we have is that people are trying to put on uh, really good faces to make their particular brand of religion or Christianity. Buddhists, oh, goodness. I mean, some Buddhists make uh, Buddhism look just wonderful. But that does not justify the beliefs. And we've come to learn here in the gospel revolution that beliefs of all kinds, it doesn't make any difference what it is. You may have a political belief. Many people's politics are not rooted in facts. They're rooted in beliefs and actually rooted in hatred for the other side. Uh, man, you're going to have a hard time uh, trying to navigate through things like that. And I feel sorry for people that that is the root of their position on anything because beliefs, I have come to this conclusion that beliefs atrophy the brain mm. and beliefs were meant to be transitional. Uh, if anything at all, uh, when you say, well, I believe so, you, you know, you've been in those conversations, Daniel, and yeah. you've said, well, you know, well, I, this and that. And we said, well, I believe that's correct. What you're saying is I don't know for sure. And let me assure you, every time you've ever said you believe something, no matter how much emphasis you put on it, the term belief means you don't know. Right. And, uh, but when you turn a belief into an I know, and it doesn't have the, uh, the research to back up a I know, it does something to the brain. I call it an atrophy. Because other information is just rejected right straight out of hand. Mm -hmm. the, the ears are closed. I believe this and nothing you say is going to change my mind. Everything that I think that I even know, uh, something you say could change my mind. Yeah. Nothing you say is going to change my mind. That is frightening to me. Mm -hmm. uh, please say something that will change my mind. Yeah. Uh, but that's a way of life for me now. Uh, it's, it's very comfortable. And I know Daniel, that's uh very same thing. You, you're chill, dude. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my goal is to become as chill as Daniel <laughs> Rouse. I am not that chill, <clears throat> but I'm, I'm getting there, Daniel. I'm trying to measure up. <laughs> yeah, man. Life would seem so boring without the change of understanding and growth mm -hmm. of knowledge and uh, the pursuit of that, uh, just to be stuck in one train of thought for the rest of my life. That sounds terrible. <laughs> it just, it really is. Once, once that, that atrophy is broken and you begin to actually exercise, uh, 
by analogy, the muscles of the brain, mm. uh, man, their function and their exercise and their changing and their growth is really a wonderful place to be. If I were to suggest something to as an exercise, you know how everybody's got an exercise for you to do today, you know, take an ice bath or whatever. And let, but let my exercise may be the hardest one mm. that anybody's ever heard. Uh, be determined to change your mind about something. Yeah. And uh, just to practice, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> practice changing your mind about something. So you had this uh, gentleman write into you, and which we do because we're we're welcoming this change of oh, mind, yeah. and mm-hmm. uh, we have been, you know, addressing the fact that the the law, the Psalms, and the prophets are valid, and what they're saying is true. Um, and I believe you had someone question about a parable that Jesus taught in John chapter ten. Is that correct? Yeah, we have, uh, there were two of them, and this was in a text of somebody relatively new listening, and uh, they are trying to resolve the issues, basically, that are the difference between, in what I see, he's not said this, but in what I see, the difference between what the gospel revolution is teaching and what the aforementioned are teaching. And so one of the questions was about the parable, and the question came out of one single line and was uh, a bit paraphrased. The other one, and we'll, we'll quote both of those, but instead of me trying to quote those, Daniel, I want to read this response. I, I took these two questions about these two verses, and I really enjoyed getting them because I wondered how this would come out. If we looked at it in our normal way, which is first context, 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 and then, of course, look at the Greek words that uh, are supporting that. But the uh, the implication of this was that uh, when Jesus said uh, that he was the door and all that came before him were thieves and liars. Mm. And so they took the term that all that came before him was other people that got there before Jesus did. Yeah. And uh, the question was, does that mean that Moses and the prophets were all liars? And boy, I tell you, if you take that out of context like that, that can seem to be what is being inferred or implied. I'm still having problems with those (laughs) words. But if you back up and realize that is an entire parable uh, instead, then that kind of clarifies it. The other one was the Mount of Transfiguration, which, as you and I have talked about uh, before, that, you know, that one, uh, number one, uh, many people challenge whether or not it actually ever happened. It's a, something in the New Testament. And then those that do accept that it did happen, uh, everybody has a different version of it that seems to fit their current theology. Mm. So it's very, it it is difficult to back up and drop all of what you have previously thought something said and to read it through. So uh, that's what I did in this. And we went through it. And I would like to share the letter that I did reply and show people how. uh, So what we're doing is wanting to show you uh, again, 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 how we address certain verses. Number one, we put them in context. 
Number two, we look at their structure. Num- uh, number three, we look at the Greek words used within the comment. And uh, Daniel, would you read that response for us? I will start by passing on, passing on bits of information the years have taught me and what Jesus said about how to learn truth. One concerning I have in your pursuits is the vision you speak of. As I read back, you said that you were 100% sure of what the vision conveyed. That being stated, there is little room to learn past that, not saying the vision was correct or incorrect, just that it is clear you, as I or anyone else would, have a confirmation bias built in from the get-go. Not to say that a confirmation bias always leads to misinformation. That is, if the bias happens to be the truth. I never dispute what someone says they experienced or saw in a vision, etc. I can only address the questions you presented about the specific verses you inquired about. It was indeed Jesus who instructed that research about him should be contained in the Hebrew Scriptures. Jesus also told us that we are here with a great teacher, the Holy Ghost. Notwithstanding, I am sure someone can get an accurate insight of the truth of the gospel by simply staring into the stars. That insight, however, would need to be confirmed by the Hebrew Scriptures, not the writings of the New Testament. We all have the mind of Christ, and Paul came to understand that the Holy Ghost teaches by comparing spiritual things to spiritual. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 makes it abundantly clear. He, the Holy Ghost, teaches by comparing the Hebrew scriptures to the work of the cross, and one might say, vice versa. I decided I wanted truth, even if it killed me. (laughs) I was a very zealous young man in almost everything, sometimes to my determinant. So back to the verses and what they say and what they did not say. John 10.8 is specifically what you asked about when Jesus said everyone that came before him was a liar and a thief. Would that include Moses and the prophets? First, this is Jesus explaining a parable to his disciples, which he spoke from John 10, 1 through 7. Only by isolating this statement would one come up with the concept that he, Jesus, was speaking of Moses and the prophets or anyone specifically. John 10, 1, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. It is clear Jesus is speaking to those that came to him to get into the sheepfold, was a thief and a robber, not those who were there before he was, but those who came to the door. When a specific term is used, it helps us to see how that term is used elsewhere. It can also resolve the intent. Matthew 7, 5 and 10, 16, Luke 10, 3 and Acts 20, 29. Never in any application of the New Testament teaching by Jesus, Paul, or anyone was Moses or the prophets referred to as liars. However, certain apostles were referred to as liars such as in Revelations 2.2. So the definitive answer has to be no, and it is urgent that it be clarified. After all, once again, Jesus said, we should hear Moses and the prophets. Had you believed Moses, you would have also believed me. Next, 
and the Mount of Transfiguration, the Father did say, listen to Jesus, and not to Moses and Elijah. That's a question that he made. Correct. The reference you made is to Matthew 17.5. However, the story in total is Matthew 17.1-13. To say Jesus said, do not listen to Moses or the prophets would be an inference that is not contained in the verses. One would have to see some sort of conflict between Jesus, Moses, and Elijah. Yet we see quite the contrary. It says that they were talking with Jesus. Talking, and uh, you give the the Greek definition, sulaiol, Greek words mean something and for a reason. The first part of this two-part word is soon, pronounced soon is defined this way, a primary preposition denoting union, with, or together, by association, companionship, process, resemblance, possession, instrumentally. It is easy to see that the writer has no intent to present a conflict or a derogatory inference to the thing happening. Totally the opposite. In fact, the disciples later asked in Matthew 17.10, and his disciples asked him, saying, why then say the scribes that Elijah, Elias must come first? Again, remember, it is Christ himself that instructed all to learn from the law and the prophets, the things they spoke that concerned him. After all, he is who they were writing about. Deuteronomy 18, 5, 19, and Isaiah 42, 1. There are very important intersections you are looking at just now. Your decision and yours only about this matter will take you to the conclusion that many more mystic friends have taken. Mere Bible, Global Grace, and Mr. Murray. They have openly stated, Francois Dutoit, the blood of Jesus could have been the blood of any other man. Thankfully, no one becomes unrighteous by being incorrect even about the cross. That's just how the blood of Christ was and is. Hopefully this will help. Email is best for me. Several research projects in process and getting ready to record (laughs) my Canada conference. Always fun. That's that's kind of a typical response from us, isn't it, Daniel? Yeah. Logical. Contextual. And and that's the thing, isn't it? It's it's just the same anytime we address any doctrines by anybody, any group, it's Mm -hmm. let's look at the context of the verses that they're using. And uh, that's what she did here is instead of taking just a phrase or a half a verse or a portion is we, we step back a little bit and see what is the full context of what's being spoken here. Mm -hmm. And that really drives to the point of what is actually being stated. Yeah, and the reason that this is a um, a go to in responding to somebody is this is what uh, what we apply to ourselves. Mm. We take everything that we think we know and we put it through this process. Uh, if uh, if people have listened any amount of time at all, they've heard us say, "Wow, look at this!" Based on the context or this Greek understanding of the words that support this we were wrong Mm. 
So uh, being wrong is the key to being right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it really is. If you don't have two or three, I was wrong, I was wrong before a, 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 a correct understanding, then most likely the brain is in atrophy and uh, atrophy can be uh, uh, assigned when, especially when it makes you angry if somebody disagrees with you. Mm -hmm. Uh, I identified that in myself. Oh, I didn't like that in me, Daniel. I didn't like this nervous agitation. It's just because somebody dared to, uh, to disagree with me. And I, I learned that they were the best uh, uh, companions in the gospel that I had was those who questioned what I had to say. Yeah. Uh, because many times we don't. Uh, examine what we're about to say that closely and anything that causes you to examine your own persuasions a little bit more closely rather than that's what I believe and I ain't don't change my nothing you can say can change my mind something you say could change my mind on any subject you know and and Michael this uh this story about the transfiguration on the mountain um <laughs> I think it's it's been one of those ones that's been used by every group to say what they wanted to say. Um, and I, I think we've had this discussion many times about that is these experiences that happened in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and very much so in the book of Acts. Um, all this information came in second, third, fourth hand information. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I think that's one thing that we really have to stick to is were these things confirmed in the Hebrew scriptures? Yes. as events that could have happened, would have happened, or did happen. Mm -hmm. When you look at the story of the birth, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, uh, I mean, you can go to the Hebrew Scriptures and get oh. so, I mean, right down to the, the type of clothes and the specific location and all of these things, um, mm -hmm. the detail is so precise um, and foretold thousands of years before they even happened, yes. <laughs> which is yeah. it, it, remarkable. And by multiple people. Exactly. And uh, again, to, to think that, number one, that these guys were delusional, these guys were not inspired by the Holy Spirit, you're just blind to seeing uh, what has really taken place and what has happened. Yeah, it. I think one of the stumbling blocks for uh, a lot of people is to accept this fact. Those that spoke prophetically were simply channeling God's voice. And even in that, the aforementioned try to say, oh, no, that was the angels or that was Moses who did that. But it's very clear that it was God who was speaking through angels and through also through Moses and through the prophets. And many times they spoke things they had no clue what mm -hmm. it was they were speaking of. Yeah. And uh, that's, uh, that's very difficult for people to wrap their head around. But you have to accept also that the Hebrew scriptures and also spoken of, especially by John and Paul and Hebrews, of, of the blindness that was up on uh, all of them as to what was actually going to happen. None of them saw it clearly because they weren't supposed to. Mm -hmm. uh, now we are supposed to see it clearly. Yeah. 
And we can go back now because the veil has been rent. The mystery has been unfolded. Uh, Too many people are still looking for, there's no mysteries. There are no mysteries about the cross anymore. They are there to be learned in their full context and their full impact on human life today on planet Earth. Yeah, you look at that in like science fiction movies and TV series, um, you know, and think about the Jetsons, you know, when you mm-hmm. had the writer of the Jetsons and he was um, trying to glance into what future yeah. life would look like. Mm-hmm. Um, he had no idea what we would be living and what it would look like. Just like Back to the Future. Yeah. yeah. In the same way, these guys were looking forward to something that they have never seen before. Uh, they certainly got a glimpse of it. They got to see it, but they had no understanding of what that even meant. Well, and uh, I think it's Paul that said that uh, it, that all of these guys desired to just have a glimpse into the things that we now see clearly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they admitted that they were just like uh, Hebrew says, they had openly admitted they were sojourners. Yeah. They, they openly admitted they didn't have what they were talking about. Uh, and um, it's, it, it is difficult for me to I have to lay aside any offense for and in behalf of the uh, Old Testament uh, Hebrew scripture characters uh, and Israel also. Uh, because uh, what if, if these people had not been predestined by God and uh, so used, and uh, my goodness, it just, uh, uh, they fulfilled a role that we don't have to fulfill. Yeah. And a lot of people are trying to be prophets. A lot of people are trying to be, you know, I have divine insight. Divine insight does not exist anymore. Uh, it's not, if you have a special insight that nobody else can see, it's wrong. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> uh, it's just wrong. If it can't be laid out in and be found in the Hebrew scriptures, uh, as, as we've said before, we take everything we say, everything Peter, James, and John said, it's recorded that Jesus said a lot of things, but if it's not recorded in the Hebrew scriptures, then it is either irrelevant or it uh, sometimes it is misquoted. The powerful thing about the Hebrew scriptures, as you said, these things have gone. Th- First off, they went through second and third hand before it was ever written down. And, and many times, just like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we have the clear evidence that they did not write these books. The only one that might have been written by the author was John. But Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it is clear that um, these were uh, hand-me-downs that these guys wrote from. Mm -hmm. Now, it doesn't mean that they could have been uh, right about these things. But there is no indication that they had any special unction to write and be inspired about what they were saying as far as God speaking through them. They spoke about the people that happened to. Yeah. And it weren't them. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they, they envied the fact that God just blah, blah through these people. And everybody's been wanting to, thus saith the Lord, I, the Lord God, blah, blah, blah. 
well, sorry, you're a day late and a dollar short. Uh, we need to start looking at what was blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Uh, by God, through the people, God himself said he spoke through. As great as we see Paul we uh, and, and Apollos in the book of Hebrews, as wonderful as we uh, are enamored and uh, just have this attachment feeling toward Paul and Apollos, uh, we always take their words to task to the Hebrew scriptures. Mm-hmm. And that's what they wanted us to do. What an amazing journey this is. We want to really encourage you guys based on what we are telling you. And the reason I wanted to share this letter with you is to affirm how we do this. Uh, there is a methodology to uh, as, as to how we examine things and determine their worth and also the accuracy of the particular view. If you are using one verse to establish your position, you're most likely not right. Mm-hmm. Uh, we coined that phrase uh, more than 30 years ago about being verse damned because it's, uh, I remember Norville telling me, Mike, as long as you've got a chapter and a verse, you can <laughs> preach on it. And dear Lord, the things that have been done with a chapter and a verse out of its context. Mm -hmm. Uh, We wouldn't do that to anybody else's writings. Why are we doing that to the Bible as though each verse is a divinely inspired thing that we can just decide on our own what it means? Uh, We don't put ourselves in that position and we really uh, are encouraging you not to put yourself in that position either. Uh, learning uh, spiritual truth, learning spiritual truth has a, a very well orchestrated way that it has been laid out. It has a teacher. It has a textbook. Uh, it has an, instruct, uh, an instructor. It has a proper comparison, and it's all laid out for us. Why would you want to try? Try this first. Exhaust this at least. At least try it. Please, at mm. least try it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and if you have the experience that we have, my gosh, it has been like an avalanche. There are things that we are still sitting on that we don't even have time to go into uh, to share with you. I want you to know that Ethan has uh, started his own uh, YouTube. So, uh, and uh, he, uh, does that with the emblem of gospel revolution on it, which uh, we uh, totally affirmed that Ethan is going through and uh, all of this detailed study he's doing in Genesis and the creation story. He's already there. So we're going to let him do all the work and then we're going to teach on it. <laughs> but uh, these are, of course, are what the conversations are like around this house all the time. It's really quite amazing. Uh, 95% of the time, the 86-inch TV is on a station that has this beautiful picture of a fireplace and the snow falling outside and uh, nothing but piano music going. And that's basically what we have on here. Uh, Honestly, 90 to 95% of every day, that's what's happening in the house. It's just so peaceful here. It's just so... Uh, it really is quite amazing. This is this is a 22-year-old who finds such peace that this is, he doesn't really need to go do. He, he was telling me the other day, he says, you know, what's wrong with me? He said, I, 
I I always really enjoyed going out and getting drunk with the boys and and uh, running around with the girls. And I, I told him, I said, well, you and isn't this strange? So here I'm the Bible teacher and the minister. But you know, you really can still enjoy those things. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Please don't let them go. Those are all uh, things is, you know, just don't uh, drink in the wrong place with the wrong people. <laughs> That's where you get in trouble. So here I am encouraging a 22-year-old to chase after women and drink. (laughs) But he says he just doesn't need that right now. And uh, he has decided that this year is going to be committed to his recovery from religion Mm -hmm. and from the abuse. And he said, I don't want to go around talking about my trauma all the time. He said, I want that behind me. Let me tell you, the fact that Ethan is doing these videos in light of the degree of panic, uh, social uh, panic to be on camera, to do anything, uh, to where that he is aware that people are going to be listening to him, uh, the, the, the depression and uh, the anxiety and the panic attacks, you just, oh, man, if you could only know the progress that has been made, that he is actually capable of doing that it is it's a beautiful thing we want that for you we want the gospel to be understood because we have felt and uh and experienced its impact and uh you you don't have to live your days in distress even though you have a distressful life i've got plenty of things to be distressed about um goodness gracious um you know, somehow there's this wonderful uh, state of mind uh, that is just absolutely beautiful. And the, the gospel establishes that mindset, I think, Daniel. What, what's been your experience with that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the stability of thought um, <laughs> is for sure. You're not walking around second-guessing yourself and oh, what you're gosh. doing and and what's God's response to what I'm doing and what's the devil's response to what I'm mm-hmm. doing and so on and so forth. I mean, just to be completely free to that, um, completely free from thinking that God is withholding his blessings or uh, or releasing his blessings mm-hmm. uh, based upon what I do, what I say, what I think, um, just to be free from that. Oh. Wow. Yeah, that's a world of a difference. And, and it's hard to describe, isn't it? It really because, is. Yeah. Yeah. It's just very difficult to describe that world. And we're not setting this out in front of you as an end all to be all, but Kind of, yeah, we are. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, but we can only do that to the extent that we have experienced that. Yeah. And it's consistent across the board. Uh, it's I, I've not seen anybody that uh, embraces uh, uh, this position of understanding of the gospel that does not have that. Your, your aunt, uh, Pat, uh, called me, goodness, I've uh, been a decade, 15 years ago, possibly, and uh, told me, uh, we'd talked several times, and she said, Mike says, I don't think you get it. 
And I said, what do you mean, Pat? And she said, your teaching on the gospel of peace completely delivered me from agoraphobia. Mm. She says, I was agoraphobic. She said, I stayed in the house. I was afraid to go out. And by listening to what you teach about the gospel of peace, completely delivered me from that. Wow. Well, I'm just, I'm dumbfounded by things mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. How does that happen? Right. I don't know, but it is consistent. I got the gospel revolution. Michael, part 14 of the teachings and commandments of Christ. Are you kidding me? Goodness. <laughs> So, uh, we have gone through um, 13 so far. This will be number 14. And we are looking at uh, the teachings and commandments of Christ as laid out by a specific organization who um, is all about uh, telling people what the commands and teachings of Christ are. Uh, They admit that on your own, you cannot do any of these. Uh, mm-hmm. but you needed God's involvement. And so they're trying to teach how to get yeah. God's involvement so that you can actually do these things. And uh, <sighs> it's tiring. I, know. <laughs> <laughs> I remember my very first tape series on grace was grace, God's ability. Mm. Cause I didn't have the guts to say that grace had freed us from sin. I was seeing it, but I just thought that I just can't, I can't do that. Nobody's going to listen to me. I'm, that's too far out. But I turned it into a grace, God's ability. Now, Jim Richards took that and wrote a book with that title, mm. uh, that grace was God's ability to keep the law. Thanks for playing, Michael. Look what you did, uh, Michael. You screwed up the whole world. <laughs> I, I, screwed, I screwed up Jim Richards, that's for sure. So. <laughs> And um, uh, and and a lot of people's lives were affected by that. And uh, boy, a lot of people's lives were uh, negatively affected by a whole lot of things I did. And some people, what I taught and what I said cost people their lives, mm-hmm. Daniel. Now, uh, obviously, you can't take that lightly when you sit there and you begin to, as I say, blah, blah in front of a mic. Once you've experienced that people have taken their lives in connection to, I don't know if direct or indirect or what part, but it certainly was a part of people's decision to take their own lives. And uh, my testimony cost many young people their lives. And the fact that I can sit here and uh, be sane and not be absolutely destroyed with guilt and condemnation of that is all I can only attribute to the gospel. Uh, only I know, uh, only the God that lives in me knows, uh, the Holy Ghost knows uh, the, uh, the degree of regret that I could be living in uh, because my my the gearing of my life as is yours and probably most all of our listeners is to try to do something to help people mm-hmm. right uh, and uh boy to find out that the efforts of 20 years has cost people their lives i wound up in philadelphia uh, i remember uh watching the movie with uh tom hanks can't call the name of it just yet but uh he was a uh, an attorney dying with uh aids and uh, I saw those people on the outside protesting, you know, the 
anti-gay and, you know, God hates gays and all of this. And uh, I realized my voice was a part of their voice. Mm. And I almost ate the carpet off the floor. I'm telling you, I, I, I couldn't, it felt as though I couldn't get my face out of the carpet and the tears and the, the, uh, just my whole face buried with scream crying into the carpet, uh, uh, realizing what I had done. Talk about a tough thing. And it took years for me to be able to reconcile. And I don't know that it's reconciled. You just have to accept you did it. And yes, the consequences of saying things out loud can be incredibly detrimental. So when we come on here, uh, we don't do it flippantly in any way. Mm. We're always very much thinking about not just what we say, but the impact it could have on people's lives. Yeah, absolutely. So, Michael, number 14 for us this week is... Judge not. That's the commandment. Judge mm. not. Wow. And that's out of Matthew chapter 7. Uh, and it, Jesus said, Judge not that ye be not judged. For with the same judgment ye judge, you shall be judged. Mm. And with that measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. Mm-mm-mm. Well, here we get an insight to the law that was never spoken before Jesus said this that I know of, Daniel. We were talking about this in preparation and just uh, suddenly we both saw this, uh, this principle of the law. You know, we're very well versed in the one that says that if you break one law, you've broken them all. Yeah. But this concept about the law uh, is, of course, Jesus always doing, I can do you one better mm. uh, on, the, on, on the law and his teachings. And, and don't try to say, excuse that. Jesus is actually teaching the law because the scriptures tell us that Jesus would make God's law honorable. And uh, that means that he would teach it accurately. I am absolutely convinced that nobody ever taught the law accurately because people had too much of a personal investment into this Uh, to teach it accurately. They would have condemned themselves. Mm. So to be able to to to, uh, uh, teach the law, you had to judge others and uh, make yourself look like you were a keeper of the law. Otherwise, how could you teach the law, right? Yeah. Uh, Jesus, this is one of the points that I was talking with to the same uh, uh, gentleman, uh, and that is the uh, the perfection of the sacrifice was not because Jesus kept the law, but it's because Jesus was born of the Spirit. I mean, uh, what Jesus did would never have disqualified him to be the perfect sacrifice to take away sin. Uh, because sin was not a part of the uh, of the spirit. It just never was a part of the spirit. It's always the flesh. Uh, so, uh, but we learn here that, uh, and, and I think that it goes into this a little bit more. I want to be able to look at this concept that we just, just now today really looked at. And that is that while under the law, let's make sure that people know we no longer are under any law mm-hmm. from God, thankfully. 
what we're having to do is go back and look at some of the the things about the law we did not know. Uh, I I remember when I realized that if you judge one, if if you break one law, you've broken them all. Wow. What an all-inclusive moment that was. Right. And uh, to understand, we're not talking about which is bigger or which is smaller or which one is worse. Uh, one is all, and all is one. And um, but here we learn something about the law in this uh, parable that Jesus was speaking. This this is a parable, is that right? Uh, well, the parable continues up after. This statement. The parable follows after the statement. It's yeah. really funny because there's many times the parable follows the uh, is followed by a statement, and sometimes the statement is uh, mm. followed after the parable uh, because sometimes the disciples said, "Uh, duh, what?" <laughs> uh, and so it required some uh, some more uh, definition by Jesus. But what we've learned here. Is that the that what set the law into effect? Even though everybody was under the law, the effect of the law didn't even begin until you judged somebody by the law. Wow! And that's when the wheel started turning, mm. and it was turning to crush you to the ground. Wow! Yeah, Paul spoke about that, um, and this is one of the verses they have in their list here: uh, Romans two one. Therefore, thou art inexcusable, O man, whoever thou art that judgest, for wherein thou judgest another, thou condemneth thyself. For thou that judgest doeth the same things. Boy, you went all King James on that I one. I sure didn't. dideth. <laughs> <laughs> I love it when you try to please me. <laughs> uh, but this is really uh, quite amazing. Paul uh, uh, affirmed that teaching, didn't yeah. he? Yep. Uh, that once the, where does the judgment start? It's so amazing to me now that it, even under God's law, God did not start start the wheels turning mm. of the law. The person who judged somebody else is the one who put into the process uh, the law that would crush them also. That is just fascinating to me. You can say, well, God, uh, you know, uh, uh, God would never put people under the law. Now we have found out this little dink in the middle of all of this that it was your decision, uh, their decision to implement the law in their life by taking advantage of it to judge somebody else. And from that point, there was no return. I don't see any point of return. It's like a kind of like what they feared uh, would happen uh, when they set off the atomic bomb. They didn't, they were thinking because of Einstein's theories. They thought they might possibly ignite the atmosphere on fire. Of course, that did not happen, which in essence proved Einstein's theories were incorrect. Uh, But you don't always get the full story on that. The fact of it is, is that that is what happens with the law. Once you, God gave the law, people implemented it. Mm, That's good. And how did they implement it? They used it to judge somebody else. Yeah. It just makes you wonder what would have happened to somebody who never judged anybody. Mm. They would have never been under any law. Yeah. 
Wow. Yeah. And, and you look at the incapable, the impossible part of this is what human doesn't judge another human. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Try it. You'll yeah. like it, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am still so judgmental. Oh my gosh. I, I, the only thing I can do is monitor my silly self and, uh, stop and take stock, take account and say, uh, no, 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 devil. I ain't going there <laughs> because I'm still, I still have those things in me. Uh, if, if somebody cuts me off, uh, if it happens to be a female driver, <laughs> you know, I, I will, I will have things, if not go through my head and, and my privacy of my car, I'm not going to tell you what comes out of my mouth. <laughs> uh, but, uh, that becomes that female driver, you know, and, uh, it, it, if I, somebody does something that irritates me. I immediately want to look at one of their characteristics and say, am I saying too much? <laughs> <laughs> no, just yesterday I was in, uh, I was in the Packer oh, here Pro comes confession yeah, time. I was in yeah. the Packer Pro Shop and buying a Christmas present for my dad. And uh, of course, I picked bad timing because that was yesterday. Today, there's a home game at uh, Lambeau. And so the place was just crazy. And the thing that bothers me is when people are walking down the aisle, then all of a sudden they just stop right in the middle of the aisle, you know, to read a text message, to stop and talk. And, you know, there are hundreds of people trying to go through this store. And here yeah. you are standing in the middle of the aisle, just stopping. It. <laughs> yeah. And now do you do that? I've got to ask now if I've just put myself out here on a stick. Do you do you look at some characteristic male, female, kid, old uh, I'm really bad, you know, their weight or whatever and say, well, you, and, and in your mind, at least it goes through and you, you associate their irritation with you with a negative connotation of what they look like. Yes. Oh, thank you, Daniel. <laughs> oh, you are my redeemer. You're today. Not alone. <laughs> <laughs> you are my redeemer. Uh, goodness. Um, so the, I think we're dealing with this the way you were taught to deal with it. We're judging ourselves. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I've realized I was raised in a racist family. Uh, my dad was a good man. He was a racist. Uh, that part of him was not good. Mm. And I've had to accept the fact that racist thoughts go through my head. Now. And now this is getting awfully uh, out there. So uh, I, I hope that people will be honest with themselves. The only way to really deal with racism is to stop denying that you have it mm. and start uh, navigating around it. Yeah. And man, I tell you what, if you just make sure that you don't act on those things, uh, that's the issue. It's uh, there are things we cannot help. But think because of what we were taught. I do my best to educate myself against racism uh, or uh, on any race. Goodness gracious. It's, it's just amazing uh, how that can happen. And, uh, you know, especially them Italians. I don't know why I want to get <laughs> on to hell today. <laughs> 
they're just so easy to judge, you know. Um, and uh, but uh, the uh, the reality of uh, uh, that that is there. I would much rather admit it's there. It's probably not there as much as I am confessing to even, but the fact that it's there at all, mm-hmm. uh, it, it, it's, it, that stuff is disgusting. And uh, whatever a problem is, I am going to do my best to look at it without the implications of the way the person looks. Uh, and, you know, that's a challenge. But I can tell you that the gospel does help me at least navigate those things. And, and, and there's parts of it that are gone. Yeah. I, I do know that parts of it are gone. And I'm very glad because they're not happy thoughts. They're not mm-hmm. thoughts that are even good for me. So I don't like them. I don't want them. But denial is not a way to deal with. Get me out of this place. <laughs> but get, I'm out of the confessional booth. You know, um, you have to swear that you won't repeat anything. Because that's <laughs> it's out in the air, buddy. <laughs> oh, no. The world knows. <laughs> oh, no. As I said, there's a parable that's connected with this. Um, so Jesus said, judge not that ye not be judged for with the same j- uh, judgment ye judge, you mm. shall be judged. Yeah. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. Mm-hmm. And then he goes in and says it in a parable. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy mm-hmm. brother's eye, but considereth not the beam that is in thine own eye? Well, just just further affirmation of this concept of the law going into effect once you start the ball rolling. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I, I mean, are you seeing that, Daniel? I mean, that's yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yeah, the judgment. Once you start the the wheel of judgment, mm-hmm. it just keeps rolling, and it it, it goes to every detail uh, in your life. And uh, th- now, from what I'm, what Jesus is saying here, I, I uh, it is quite clear that even though God gave the law. Man is the one who starts the implementation of the law. That is what he is saying here, isn't it? Yeah. And I think the, the, the opposite of that is instead of judging someone else is to go and look within yourself mm-hmm. and judge yourself. And I, I, I would say that he was probably at this point telling them, judge yourself by the law. Yeah. Yeah, if you're going to judge anything, judge yourself first. And once you're clear, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, then go ahead. And- uh, yeah, then then go ahead. But uh, un- until you've cleared yourself from all of that, uh, because his comparison there, you know, to uh, he uh, compares it to having a, I think uh, the King James says a speck or something. The New King James says speck and plank, and the KJV says moat. And beam. Wow. Goodness gracious. Something in your eye. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, isn't it the truth that no matter how small or large it is, it all feels the same. Mm. Uh, So it's a perfect uh, way to tell a story uh, to compare it to something being in your eye. You know, and I think the conclusion to this is um, John stated that um, in his account of what Jesus was saying, he stated that Jesus said, 
that I'll take all the judgment of the world upon myself. Mm-hmm. And so this isn't, this again is a teaching of Christ is an impossibility because we're all going to judge and therefore we're going to be judged. Um, but the ultimate conclusion to that was Jesus took upon himself the entire judgment of the entire world. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and therefore removed any judgment from God's perspective upon mankind. And now today, the only judgment that remains is that of righteousness. Well, and that is where our mind uh, is renewed uh, in that. uh, And I know that the part of my lack of judgmentalness is is brought on by that fact that my righteousness is not measured by the law that will renew your mind yeah but for you to pass that on to somebody else is a little more difficult i have said ever since i saw in romans uh what is it six uh paul making these statements and he makes it very clear there's two things the gospel takes out of your life. Uh, or it can take out of your life. Uh, number one is guilt, and the second one is judgment. Uh, I found guilt went away uh, relatively easily. Uh, I was I was ready to give myself uh, a pass, uh, a relief from that. It's been very strange that uh, judgment does not go quite so easily. Now, the question about the judgment side of things, because this was my experience, is that though I may judge people on, you know, for standing in the middle of the aisle, the part of the judgment that's been uh, almost completely removed from my life is any spiritual judgment, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I can see, you know, I used to look at someone walking down the road drinking a beer and thinking, oh, they're headed to hell, yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the drinking that demon in the bottle, some girl dressed and modestly, you yeah. know, uh, apparently the judgment comes in right away. Well, you know, she's just, you know, the devil's whore, yeah. <laughs> you know, all these different things. So that spiritual judgment has been taken away mm-hmm. because the law, I've freed my mind of judging people according to the law. Uh, and so the spiritual side of things, now I just, now I just look at people and say, well, they're stupid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh yeah and uh they and the, that they're just people you know it's right. really quite exactly. amazing that um that these things are part of our mental process and if we were to take the gospel revolution and say okay let's all get through uh class 101 on the gospel and its effects yeah. Uh, number one, we would still say well, you got to get rid of guilt or, or the gospel has to get rid of guilt. And the second, which is so far for me, a lifelong process, uh, is uh, just the uh, ridding myself of judgment. And if you uh, if if thoughts of judgment are still there, you can I can choose not to act on those judgments. Mm-hmm. And but like what you're saying, uh, uh, spiritually, it never enters my mind about somebody being, uh, you know, on God's side, the devil's side. It isn't, isn't it? Just amazing that those things are just completely gone. I, you know, I still have to deal with my raisin, but um, <laughs> the uh, the the fact of it is, is that uh, 
uh, all of those things are made uh, completely null and void by the uh, work of the cross. Uh, if, uh, things have changed. One, uh, the, one of the things I think I, I think I mentioned it when we were talking earlier, and uh, Ethan saw this. He said, wow. He says, you know, we really have uh, been uh, uh, the evolution. He told me, he said, Mike, the evolution you spoke of uh, that started in somehow an accelerated rate after the uh, flood. He said that we've also having to go through that uh, uh, renewing uh, and, and becoming used to this new world that is now in effect and that for 2000 years of course this evolution is based on knowledge and uh, that evolution was based on uh genetics and mm. the the genetics this was on an automatic pilot the renewing of the mind to the fact that you are god in the earth is uh, is is strictly based on uh, knowledge. Now, people don't like that. Our aforementioned man, they want to be spiritual and they want to validate their knowledge by their spirituality and what they feel and don't feel. And uh, Jesus and uh, uh, Paul and Apollo seem to think that the knowledge of something was what was transformative now to those of us who are on this side of the cross. And I think it's very obvious that uh, an evolution has been taking place. And even where there's not a whole lot of gospel, there's still an evolution to the fact that mm -hmm. God and man are now one. Uh, we're, we, we are making progress, folks. Uh, you can't really identify the progress. Uh, we are evolving. Uh, in our minds, uh, the mind is evolving, and uh, I, I want mine. I, I think about the way that, uh, just like what we're saying, what Daniel and I have just discussed is an evolution that mm -hmm. is taking place in us. I, I'm still a duckbill platypus, you know. So <laughs> <laughs> strange creature, indeed. But I am e evolving. Uh, and uh, but the fact is, I don't have to evolve to be. I have to evolve to think everything on this earth. That is. Whatever is been made uh, uh, available uh, at our uh, touch or however you want to describe it, everything is just a thought away. There's nothing about your life that is not just a thought away. If you had, if you had uh, a different thought, if you're having a problem raising your kids, uh, you know, that's just a thought away as to how to correct that. Right. If you're having a problem uh, in, with anything, uh, it's, it's just a thought away as to what the resolution is. Now, only you can decide what that resolution is then. Mm -hmm. uh, because uh, there's nobody there to point out and to control. Let me tell you what we are not have no intent to do is to tell you 
what specifically would be going on in your life if you really believed the gospel. We do have some GRs that like to kind of weigh in on that subject and say, well, if you really believe the gospel, you'd be this and you'd be that and you'd do this and you'd do that. Those things we have no right to exercise in a measurement because haven't we just gone back under another law? If we Mm -hmm. start measuring people's uh, process, I can measure my own process and you can measure yours, but I can't measure yours. Uh, it's it really is a wonderful process to be in. Uh, I remember Ethan after he had been here for a couple of months and all of the discussion that we had about the gospel. He said, "Mike, he said I just don't like the word progress anymore." And I thought, well, I, this is going to be interesting. I've never even had such a thought. And he said, "I he said I'm in the process." And he said, "I'm tired of measuring my progress." I thought, you know what? I can jump into the deep end of the pool on this one. And it's been really amazing seeing the process instead of trying to mark progress. Uh, Because out of measuring progress, you can be very judgmental of yourself. And just think of all the, the, the people that are out there, all the gurus of people's lives telling them what to do, how to do, when to do, and how, uh, uh, about what they want, the ice bathers and the, uh, you know, the uh, make your bed every morning nurse. And uh, uh, you can tell I don't take ice baths and I very rarely make up my bed in the morning. (laughs) Um, And all the people that have something to tell you as to how to do it. Um, And then the thing that has been so shocking is uh, 2023, we have seen the suicides of so many of these uh, influencers, if you will. Uh, 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 Gosh, the one that got me so uh, uh, deeply was this wonderful uh, young man who was uh, so fit. So uh, he admitted that he had uh, dealt with depression, but he was on telling everybody he was, you know, he was an influencer making loads of money from his Insta and, uh, all of this, which I don't even know how that happens. Um, somebody can follow me around every day with a camera. Believe me, it gets interesting sometimes. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, the, the, but the fact is, I would not want to lose that degree of privacy. I just I wouldn't want to do that at all. But anyway, he had been taught that you know taking jumping in an ice bath is the number one way to restart your brain in the morning and to deal with depression and anxiety and just such a heartbreaking story. He just virtually went out, jumped in the ice bath and got out and went inside and put a gun to his head and killed Mm. himself. My God. Uh, Folks, we don't want to measure you at all. Uh, If now, if you want to measure yourself, measure the process. See if the process is is working. Uh, You don't have to be so hung up about the progress you're making. Just is the process working for you? Hope that makes sense. And I don't think we should ever, ever, ever judge ourselves spiritually. Um, That that judgment has already taken place. And uh, you've been judged righteous, holy, sinless, blameless. You know, we can judge all of these things in our lives of what we do, what we eat, how we talk, how we 
you navigate mm-hmm. with other people and and all of that um you know personal growth definitely go yes. ahead uh be kind to yourself mm-hmm. though in that uh but don't ever judge yourself spiritually um i think that's the other side here is we're looking even what jesus said but consider uh not the beam in thine own eye i'd like to inform you that that beam's oh, been removed thank you, uh, and you've been made perfect you've been made holy you've been re- made righteous and uh though there may be things in your life that you want to work on god when he looks at you he sees you holy perfect righteous sinless and blameless now why did i feel that was just for me i that felt good daniel mm. thank you uh after a confession that's what you need to do for somebody is to remind them <laughs> you know, uh, they they've spilled their guts to you in private i might say uh but <laughs> uh that's how you finish up something like that you know as uh you need to remind we need to be reminded uh we all need to remind each other that regardless this these are the facts about our lives based on the new creation that we have become just the same as adam and his generations to the flood could not escape the environment they were in uh and i'm telling you it is fascinating to begin to see science begin to realize these things even though they won't say they, that the scriptures had anything to do with it but scriptures are the first ones to actually speak of it. And then to uh, see that uh, evolution, my goodness, uh, uh, I was uh, so glad to see that evolution does play a role uh, in the uh, animal kingdom and that the evolution that we are in now uh, is that of the renewing of the mind. And so it is, we must leave you, family and friends. If you'd like to know anything about the gospel revolution, then call our office on 832-318-9339. And don't forget, we are in the middle of Pledge Drive. So call and make that pledge to Jeff at 321-220-4373. Remember, any new pledge, any new monthly pledge will get you a free copy of the Religion Free Bible, Mm -hmm. 1 Corinthians. Uh, We'll send that to you at no cost for any new pledge made. Uh, You can also go to www.gospelrevolution.com and hit the donate button. You can find us on your favorite social media network, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Please be sure to hit that subscribe, share, and like button on whatever platform you are listening. Now it's good night from Daniel Rouse in the frozen tundra. And it's good night from Michael Williams right here in Clarksville, Tennessee. We really are so grateful to be finishing out this year and the Christmas that is uh, waiting for you guys and my anniversary, which I cannot forget tomorrow. Pledge drives really are very important. Uh, it, it keeps the pressure off, you know, folks. I, I really, uh, you guys have given me two good years that I have not had to decide which bills to pay and which bills not to pay. And uh, that's only been within the last two years. And we are now incurring more expense uh, because we are doing things that we have never done before. Uh, we appreciate that. Uh, the, my, my heart's desire would be that we'd be able to go back to Daniel being on staff uh, full time. And uh, I know that that would uh, be a, a great joy to Daniel. 
but from where we would have to go from where we are now to be able to do that, where that Daniel raises kids, uh, is, uh, we're pretty far from that. The transition that we just went through, you just would not believe how we squeezed every dollar, wound up with everything our hearts desired. I mean, it's mm. just so beautiful. And uh, this office, uh, this dining room, uh, this research room, uh, this getaway room, uh, there's times that uh, uh, either Ethan or I, either one will just come in here and close the door. It is like sleeping in the sanctuary. I don't know what it is. <laughs> and uh, this is going to be Daniel's bedroom. This is, uh, this is also a guest room. Uh, you just would not believe what we have done with this space. And um, uh, it really is just fantastic. So uh, thank you. Uh, we're doing all the upgrades we can. Uh, there, there are some changes to those upgrades, even as we're upgrading. And uh, so be patient with us, but enjoy these. Uh, I hope you really enjoy what the PowerCast that you just listened to. And uh, we appreciate your contributions to this thing called the Gospel Revolution and Mike Williams Ministries. We sure hope that you enjoyed today's PowerCast. And remember, we'll be here to do the same thing all over again next week. Only better. Since you're knocking on the door, you're begging to come in, yeah. On a wet that all the wild love's been knocking from within. You are the love you see. A perfect that you need, right? Constructing religion and barbecuing the sacred cows of Christianity before your very eyes. You are listening to The Gospel Revolution.